podcast is raw, it's real, it has zero gimmicks, zero bullshit, and absolutely zero fucks to give. Welcome to the Iron Jungle. This is real, no bullshit, no holds barred, wide fucking open podcast. We've not this far too long to be fucking around. This is the jungle. Where anything goes, no holds barred. We're gonna be talking about the real shit. How to succeed in a world where you have goals, but there's so much misinformation and bullshit trying to sell you something. This is the informative part. And there's no hope behind the jungle. The question is, are you ready? Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle, buddy. Welcome to the iron jungle. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the Iron Jungle Podcast. Vanilla Gorilla Drew Pierce, Ryan Buckeye here discussing a topic, a fan's choice topic. We actually put out in our self-made barbell brigade for, for the people to, uh, to, to ask us a question. And this has actually been a topic that's been tossed around quite a bit. And we've sort of danced around the topic a little bit in, in different podcasts that we've done. But this whole concept of, of peri-workout nutrition and, and, and how do you approach it and what should you be having pre, intra, and post-workout um, because it is a, it's a very interesting topic that I feel, Drew, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, like, I feel like it's gained more momentum in the last like year and a half, two years of people really kind of figuring or really devoting themselves to the nutrition that they surround their workouts with. Um, and it's something that you've probably been practicing most of your fitness career. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say most, I mean, I'd like to, of course, you know, claim, lay claim to this like a lot earlier on, but especially I'd say probably the last five or so years has been a big focus of mine. I feel that that's honestly one of the most underrated aspects in terms of nutrition for a lot of people out there. So let's start by just kind of defining what para-workout means. Para-workout's defining what you do before, during, and after your workout. And taking a step back from that in your overall nutrition plan, this ties directly into carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, you know, they have the old adage out there saying, oh, don't eat carbs after X PM because magically it turned to fat, you're not as active, so on and so forth. That goes completely out the window because the analogy I use is like, you know, like why would you use um, or, you know, fill up your car at the gas station in the morning with a full tank of gas if you're not driving or whatever until the nighttime? Doesn't make any sense. If you're training in the morning, then ideally that's when you should have the majority of your carbohydrates if you're once again restricting carbs. Or even if your carbs are really high, having most of them pre-enter and post are going to harness the most benefit. We'll get into that this episode. But same thing at nighttime. If you train or train till seven, eight o'clock at night, you're not going to be getting fat from eating those carbs. You'll be getting fat if you eat too many carbohydrates. The yeah. point is take advantage of that insulin response pre-enter and post. So they're not going to magically turn to fat just because, you know, Cinderella's slipper fell off and she turns into a fucking pumpkin or a cheese curd if you're in Wisconsin. Yeah, 100%. Man, I mean, I have carbs. Like, I have 100, 150 grams of carbs before I go to bed. And I work out in yep. the morning. And I'm not getting fat. So, like, quit this bullshit. Like, it's, it's, there's so many of these myths and, and that what, where they come from is a new brand comes out that's anti-carb or some Dr. Oz wannabe or Dr. Oz himself says something fucking ridiculous. People choose to believe it and, and they roll from there. Um, let's let, before we, we dive into like total peri nutrition, peri workout nutrition, let's, let's discuss the topic that's been, that's been around uh, for a long time in terms of this, this anabolic response window post-workout, you know, you have 30 minutes post-workout to consume a protein shake and eat meals, or you're going to lose gains. Can you fucking just, Take this myth and wipe your ass with it, Drew. Yeah, pretty much. I, I personally don't think that this is necessary. <coughs> Excuse me. As a lot of people like say, is, you know, the old adage used to be as soon as the weight hits the floor, you need yeah. to have a protein shake or you're not going to capitalize your gains. In one thing, I call it like the test tube setting and like, you know, the on the paper, in the labs, on and so forth. If you're looking to optimize, have the most 
perfect stack out there. We'll cover that. But in the real world, how much of a difference does some of these things actually make? A lot of people say, oh, you have to use a super fast digesting protein, only whey protein isolate or whey protein hydrolysate, immediately post-workout with superior carb sources, super fast digesting, da 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 spike insulin levels. Well, let's be real. A majority of my year, sometimes I not, I'll kind of go away from even using shakes and post-training, I'll do like top round steak mm. or ground turkey or insert your choice of chicken here yeah. with rice and have a nice whole food meal. Having the shake post-workout is convenient and of course has you know, high amounts of leucine and can trigger protein synthesis. But the thing, the main underlying theme is you're consuming protein carbohydrates to kind of kick out the process. I will go out here and say, if you've handled your pre-intra uh, workout nutrition already, your post-workout is just another piece of that puzzle, but it's not as dire. I'll go as far as saying that. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I obviously do agree with that, too. Um, uh, and then we're going to dive into three windows, right? We're going to dive into pre, intra, and post. Um, and Drew touched on this topic earlier in terms of, like, if you, you, you want to consume most of your carbohydrates for the day in and around your workout, period, window, whatever you want to call it, there are going to be people out there who might be on like 120 grams of carbs a day, very minimal, and they like to have, say, you know, rice or whatever, and they don't want to, quote unquote, waste them around their training period. They want to have them for dinner, but they're working out in the morning. Um, I mean, beneficial for gains and beneficial for hypertrophy and beneficial for muscle recovery and beneficial for all these things, like, should they say, okay, should these people be like, you know what, suck it up and consume the carbs around the, the training window? Or, you know what, do what you want to do. If you want to have them at night, that's fine, but you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, I think, obviously, that's going to be my answer there, too. Are we talking about being optimal, or are you talking about fitting in your own little world? Of course, O comes down to calories in versus calories out, total macronutrients. Once again, you're not taking advantage of that insulin response by having them so far away from nutrition. So in that case, I'll, I'll touch a little bit how I would recommend meal structure as well here. You know, coming into Dr. Drew's house today. No, not really a doctor. It's just fun to say. But you could be you could be a doctor, Drew. You got the look to you. But before you dive into that real quick, just explain why that insulin response is so important. Well, insulin is the most anabolic hormone in the body. Thank Most you. people think testosterone and so forth. But insulin, with its role, is it's going to shuttle one shuttle nutrients into the muscle cell. If you have high insulin sensitivity, your body's going to take less insulin. It's going to be more responsive to it. It's going to utilize and shuttle those carbohydrates more efficiently into muscle, replenishing muscle glycogen. Versus if you have low insulin sensitivity, your insulin levels have to go higher to lower your blood sugar levels, as well as going to be more preferentially stored as fat. Mm. Here's the thing, the lower your body fat is or times of post-workout where you've sort of been in a catabolic state and you're tearing down that muscle fiber, your body is being catabolic. It is going to be more sensitive to insulin. So therefore the carbohydrates, amino acids, AKA the things you get from the proteins you eat are going to be more preferentially used to repair and to replenish and rebuild muscle tissue. And here's your part two, think of this caveat here. Even if you have like say the fastest digesting protein you can get, okay, quiz for you. What's the fastest digesting protein there is? No, whey protein, hydrosylate, right? At the, at the, it's actually casein hydrolysate, which most people hear the word casein and they're like, casein, that's the slowest one. So casein hydrosylase yeah. is like vaso-AP, right? For the, been used in pump? Um, vaso-AP is different dipeptides, more like Pepto-Pro. Got you. So those are dientripeptides. It's pre-digested protein, which is actually faster than whey protein hydrolysate. So in order of fastest digesting proteins, you have casein hydrolysates, whey protein hydrolysates, whey protein isolates, whey protein concentrates, uh, probably milk protein isolate, which is a blend of casein as well as whey. Yep. And then, of course, you have your longer digesting proteins. I'm sticking just strictly um, dairy-based here. We're not talking about 
chicken, fish, beef, so on and so forth, um, supplemental or even plant protein for simplicity, you know, caseins are longer out there. In terms of things like pea protein, different things like that, those are gonna be a little bit lower on them in terms of digestive rate, that's okay. They're not gonna have high evolution content. So I'm just, once again, this is an attack on veganism, but whey protein is gonna be superior in that form mm -hmm. for muscle protein synthesis response and has a higher leucine content. Leucine triggers muscle protein synthesis. So yes. before I get sidetracked here, key here, even with the fastest digesting protein available, say like the hydrolysate or the isolate, which is most people use, it can take, you know, one to two hours for it to be, of course, taken in, digested, boom, and hit the bloodstream right there. Okay, if you finish training, your body's already breaking down, and everybody puts the emphasis on having a shake after their workout. Well, if it takes in your head, okay, one to two hours or so to everything flowing, broken down, hit your bloodstream, that's where pre-workout nutrition comes in. So let's kick that off with here. Yeah. I'm a big advocate of pre-workout nutrition. I like to eat about an hour and a half, two hours before my training, depending on how big my meal is. If I'm in off season, I can move it a little farther out. I'm having a lot more food. Or in right now, I'm in contest prep, a little smaller food. I like to do about an hour to an hour and a half. I don't like food sitting in my stomach. At that point, you do say like turkey and rice or beef and sweet potato, beef and rice, whatever it may be. I like to advise like a lean protein, like 964 ground beef, grilled chicken, 99% lean ground turkey. Um, a carbohydrate source, in that case, I love jasmine rice. It's super to digest in, in terms of being hypoallergenic, it's awesome, or sweet potato. By doing that, you're consuming, a, or you can use a, a, a um, whey protein, or like in cream of rice is a good combo, or oats, yeah. that works as well. If you do one and a half, two hours for your workout, by the time that starts hitting your bloodstream and having everything broken down, at the perfect time, you're having not only um, glucose available, but also amino acids, during your workout to fuel your training, you're also gonna kickstart recovery, muscle protein synthesis. The old key saying here is that pro the recovery starts before you even finish your training. Sure. So that's the big reason that people need to understand is there's a benefit to having that pre-training meal. You're fueling your training, you're fueling that breaking down. I'm not talking about fasted training, I'm talking about optimizing performance, muscle growth, and best performance factors and optimizing your recovery. Most yeah. people miss that boat. Let's talk about that because I train, you know, for me personally, I get up at 4 a.m. in the morning and train. And, mm -hmm. and the last thing that I want to do sometimes is, is obviously have a meal. So what I'll do, Drew, yeah. and you kind of you hit on like I'll down a protein shake 45 minutes to an hour before uh, of a fast digest protein. I might mix it in with a bowl of Rice Krispies, something with, exactly. with a carbohydrate source that I can get quickly. Or if nothing else, if I don't have Rice Krispies, I will drink, um, you know, like, uh, like a, a super carb, something from Nutribile beforehand along with a protein shake. So I'm still not training fasted. But there are people, Drew, who truly believe believe in fasted workouts and that's what they want to do are they doing themselves a disservice by not having a pre-workout meal in all honesty sometimes on paper no you're not going to have as optimal results i'm going to have somebody fucking comment here autophagy 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 shut the fuck up like you don't even know what autophagy means that was a cell turnover okay great you know what else causes a fucking autophagy living your body turns over cells okay i think that's a little bit overstated if it works for you, do it. Um, personally, I don't like to have a bunch of food in my stomach. First thing right. in the morning, if I have to, absolutely. At the very worst, if you have to do that, I'd recommend you hit the nail on the head. A super fast digesting um, source of protein and carbohydrates. Like a whey isolate with Rice Krispies is perfect. Or if you do something like that, it's like amazing. Or if you want to skip that, when you get to the gym, start drinking it beforehand. That kind of segues into intra-workout. Ideally, for a pre-workout meal, I kind of describe that. I like to do lean proteins, carbohydrates, and also a small amount of fats. What that's gonna do, such as like a Kerrygold grass-fed butter, coconut oil, MCT oil, one of those, that's gonna blunt the carbohydrate response a little bit. It's gonna prolong your energy levels. It's gonna prevent that spike, keep blood levels stable. 
So having a little bit of fat pre, inter, and post is ideal. You don't want a lot in all those those workouts yeah. there. No, fat's bad because that is going to slow down digestion. That's going to work against you a little bit. Okay, so but don't be afraid of it, but don't go overboard. Don't have a super fatty steak, a ton of fat, so on and so forth. Somebody's going to come in and argue that MCTs or whatever have their role, but that's not that's the different subject. Yeah, okay. I was going to say there are going to be people who are going to say, well, MCTs, the fats from MCTs digest quicker than, than the fat from they the do. steak they, and things, right? They, and it's factual. That's an outlier, right? But, yeah, the I mean, is you got your pre. So, Inter- so if your ratio, Drew, like, I mean, obviously the ratio is very tough to break down. But like, if you're gonna, if you have a total of 100 percent and you have carbohydrates, protein, and fats, like, what's a what's a rule of thumb ratio pre workout in terms of would you want you want like 40 percent protein, 40 percent carbs, 20 percent fats? Like, what would your ideal ratio be? Honestly, I don't really have an ideal ratio yeah. by a set number. I kind of go individually dependent. Like for me, um, right now, my pre-training meal and I'm dieting, I'm doing about 50 grams of protein, uh, 50 to 60 depending on the meal, either from ground beef, ground turkey. I'm on boycotting chicken for the moment just because mm. I'm taking a break. And right now I'm doing about 80 grams of carbs. Yeah. So I'll do for a lot of people like a two-to-one carbohydrate to protein. Yeah. If you have enough carbohydrates, is a good starting number, maybe a one-to-one. Or some people, hey, just consume protein pre-training with some greens, veggies, whatever it may be. If you don't have the carbs, you can do that too. You don't have to do carbohydrates pre-training. For me, what's more important is getting the amino acids in to yeah. lead you up to having that thing. So with that covered, I mean, let's talk about one of my favorite ones. Some people already do this without even realizing it is intra-workout nutrition. So, I mean, yeah, okay, so there, there is, there's a lot to, to talk about intra-workout nutrition because we've all seen the guy and girl walking around the gym with their six-pack bag and all of a sudden halfway through their workout they sit down, they eat, or they're doing EAAs or BCAs or they're drinking a protein shake while they're in the gym. There's a lot of different theories and con- con- concepts that people take into account. I want to touch on pre-workout real quick one more time. Like, I would argue and say that pre-workout nutrition is the most important. I mean, in terms of, um, you kind of mentioned this too, like it, it starts before the training begins. Um, Drew mentioned, you know, in, in terms of him, it's 50 grams of protein, 80 grams of carbs. I'm in the same boat. I do like 30, 35 grams of protein. 60 grams of carbs, minimal fats. So it is almost like a two-to-one ratio in terms of carbohydrates because I want to utilize those carbohydrates during my training to prolong energy, restore glycogen stores pretty quickly. Um, and, and we mentioned cream of rice. Cream of rice is also another good pre-workout uh, uh, carb source as well. But yes, intro workout nutrition. Um, most people, Drew, aren't eating anything of substance. They're not drinking a protein shake. They're, they're taking an EAA or a, a, a branched-chain amino acid. Is that sufficient? Um, in a big picture, honestly, as long as you're getting the rest of your calories throughout the day, sustain the growth or whatever you want to do or maintain the course at lean muscle, that's fine. You don't have to have a super expensive, extensive, you know, intra-workout nutrition stack. I guess we can break this down a couple of ways. One would be, okay, what's the premium, perfect intra-workout right. stack you can come up with? In that case, in my opinion, one of the best ones you can do, if you want to be technical, I like a mix, in that case, of something like PeptaPro, which, as I mentioned, is a casein hydrolysin, mm-hmm. along with a carbohydrate source. In that case, my pick is cyclic dextrin, highly branched cyclic dextrin, which I will give a little primer on here. Some people say, oh, what about dextrose? What about Gatorade? What about sucrose, you know, which is just table sugar, so on and so forth? Cyclic dextrin is ideal compared to other types of carbohydrates. The main reason of that, because it has a low osmolar. Osmolality, basically, within your stomach, there's osmoreceptors. When you ingest anything, your stomach is going to sense if it has a high or low osmolality. The higher the osmolality, the longer the stomach is going to sense it needs to sit in the stomach to be broken down before it can pass through that into the small intestine to be absorbed. Okay, this is why cyclic dextrin is a star. Dextrose, other than the others, 
quick digesting carbohydrates may be quick to digest and spike insulin, but they have a high osmolality. You ingest them, it's gonna sit in your stomach, so you're one, you're gonna start getting bloated, it's sitting there, it's gonna form a bullus, it's gonna go in the small intestine and cause a huge insulin spike, and you're probably gonna crash from it. You're gonna have mm -hmm. digestive issues, you're not gonna feel ideal. Cyclodextrin, you ingest it, it passes through, goes to work in the small intestine, boom, you have a rapidly digesting carbohydrate source provides even blood sugar levels. Yeah. That's why I'm a big advocate of cyclodextrin. A close second, there's another couple, uh, couple of them, palatinose, which is from beets, is a very fantastic carbohydrate. Another one is carb-10, mm -hmm. and that's one of Compound Solutions' babies made from peat. Right. All three of those are fantastic for using intra-workout. I'm not a big fan of waxy maize, vitargos, so and so forth. I don't think they work as well. There's a few of them that are just plain horrible, but like dextrose, so and so forth, in terms of like being an old school carb. Okay, right. so you pay for what you get. Yeah. So combination in that case, Peptipro, along with the cyclodextrin. If you don't want to do Peptipro, um, we'll of course cover this very briefly here. Some people ask, what about BCAAs versus EAAs? If you're training in a fasted state, in my opinion, the essential amino acids, the full spectrum is gonna be more beneficial because you need all the amino acids to be useful to, of course, you know, build muscle, initiate protein synthesis, so on and so forth. Branch chains, what they do, they're gonna initiate the response. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the other essentials, they can actually start breaking down muscle and other EAAs to manufacture that. But if you've had your pre-workout meal, which you should have, and or your other meals throughout the day, BCAAs, in my opinion, will be sufficient. You can't go wrong by having EAAs either way, but if you have to pick between the two, that's your quick cheat sheet. Right. And as a consumer, if you're looking, traditionally you're going to get more um, BCA for your value than you would an EAA, but um, that's that, 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 there's a lot of brands and people out there saying that BCAAs are garbage, they don't work. Well, yeah, they might not work if you're fasted. And, and this intermittent fasting phenomenon came to fruition, and everyone's like, well, BCAs don't work anymore. Again, read the studies and, and, and the con context in which people are saying this. If a brand comes out or a person comes out and just makes a blanket statement that branched-chain amino acids don't work, you should uh, comment on whoever posted it with a middle finger emoji and tell them to the fuck off because they need to do some education themselves. Um, it's not just a, a marketing thing, to Drew's point. Yeah, if you already have a pool of essential amino acids, in this case, a pre-workout meal, you have that the EAAs from whatever it be, chicken, beef, or a protein shake, it's there, the BCAs will go to work for you. Um, to your point, Drew, I like this. So carb powder is not necessarily the cheapest thing in the block for people, okay? It, it, uh, uh, cyclodestrin, is exp it's, 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 it's higher priced, okay? I'm not going to say it's expensive because it works well, but in this case, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes I'll take a carb powder pre-workout. Ideally, if I'm paying for things, I'm going to try to avoid that. I'm going to take Rice Krispie or Cream of Rice or a whole food source and take the carb powder intro workout to a prolong it and it also you know it works really and, and to drew's point it doesn't just sit in your stomach and make you feel like shit. Yep. on carbohydrates too we've talked about this a lot over at the at, at the facebook group but things like gummy bears or skittles or candy simple carbohydrate uh, simple carbs that people will take pre or intra or even post workout to help restore glycogen stores um, osmotality on those ones is like super the same thing, right? Like you're gonna you could crash. Like case in point, and this is good from um, I can't remember who told me this, but give give a child a handful of gummy bears once and see what happens an hour after they take it. You know, half hour hour after that, they're asleep on the couch. We don't change much when we get older. Like our bodies still respond in very similar fashions. Now, if you have nothing else, no access to nothing else, then sure, maybe a bag of Skittles or something could help you out, but it's not ideal. So I think for people who are out there touting like gummy bears pre and intro workout okay if that's all you have maybe but at the end of the day like there are much better sources of carbohydrates than candy honestly post training if you want to have some gummy bears sure that's that's fine i mean you, you may have a little bit of a crash or whatever but eh, you'll be all right 
I will say though that there is a key place for this and maybe I shouldn't open my mouth. I don't need to get these kind of fucking questions in my messenger. Don't fucking message me on this. And let's be very fucking clear, do not fucking do this. But if you may or may not be trying to use a little bit of insulin pre-training such as Hemolog, which is a fact acting insulin, Sour Patch Kids are on the fucking money in combination of cyclodextrin. In that case, you want that rapid sugar because it's gonna, of course, help it work better and make sure you don't fucking die. Right. Let me restate this. For those of you listening at home, for the people in the back, don't fucking mess with me about insulin. Do not fuck with insulin unless you know what you're doing. If you have to ask these type of questions, you don't know and you probably don't fucking need it. So I hope I'm very clear about this. If y'all fucking die, you didn't hear it from this podcast. You heard it from something. <laughs> insulin is, is scary, scary shit. Like yes, it's, it's very scary shit. Um, also, a factual statement that Drew made, Sour Patch Kids are the bomb. They're anabolic. They're amazing. And it's because of science. They are. I mean, the bodybuilder's favorite candy is Sour Patch Kids. If it's not, you're fucked. So kudos to the ghost sure. for getting that licensing deal. Um, what about eating an actual meal or a protein shake intro workout? I've seen people do that. And I, the, meal yeah, thing, the meal thing, I'm always like kind of scratching my head. What's that, Drew? Man, if you sit in the gym and you're eating a meal during your workout, one, it's going to sit in your stomach like a brick. It's not ideal. Yeah. I, that's one time where I say powder supplementation is like the way to go. If you're sitting there eating a meal, it's going to sit in your stomach like a brick. So you're gonna, here's the more part two. Very clearly, okay? So during your workout or before having your meal too close, I never understand people, they finish eating like right when they're walking into the gym, like off the protein bar and they're walking in the fucking gym. Understand something. Digestion takes blood flow. Exercise, your muscle, takes blood flow, okay? Your body's gonna prioritize whatever, you know, whatever needs to happen in the body. If you're ingesting food, if you have food sitting in your stomach, digestive system, it's gonna use that blood flow to, to digest the food, to the stomach, the intestines, it's gonna break that down. If you start training too soon, you know, that's why I said wait an hour before swimming mm-hmm. or whatever, because if you start training, especially intense like you should, your body's gonna divert that blood flow away from the digestive system and start going to the working muscle. It's gonna sit there like a brick, you're gonna be uncomfortable, you might have stomach issues, digestive stress. That's another reason why I'm not a big fan of eating too close to the gym and or, especially like you mentioned, like it blows my mind, eating or during during the training. Yeah. Have a shake, it's probably not as big of a deal, but it's not really, the ideal situation. In that case, that's where the pre-digested protein, like the Pepto-Pro, if anything, or rather than that, or the EAAs and the cyclodextrin is ideal. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I've seen people drink protein shakes intra-workout, and I've never personally done it ever in my life. Um, yeah. I just I just feel it'd be uncomfortable. Like, I mean, maybe I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's not my thing. I mean, have you ever done it? No, and I, I really have no desire to either. Me, I'm just like sitting there thinking, man, I really don't want the taste of fucking protein in my mouth. Yeah. It's bad enough sometimes where... And sometimes I get like sick of drinking shit. You know, you have a pre-workout, then like if you're in off season, you have to get in like, bro, like sometimes on cyclodextrin, if I'm pounding carbs hard, I'll go from like any, I've gone as high as 75 to 100 grams of cyclodextrin intra-workout, yeah. man. One is expensive, but two is like, I'm just so sick of drinking shit, let alone having like a protein shake in my workout. That's like a sit one in your stomach if you're actually training hard. Yeah. And, and on a side note on that too, in terms of like, it's not, it is nutrition, but like your, your water intake. Uh, pre and intra, like you should drink a fuck ton of water. Like I, I, I drink a ton um, intra workout more so than pre because sometimes yep. when you drink a lot pre, you kind of feel bloated and stuff. But like I take a gallon jug in. I'm a bro jug guy, intra workout. But just adequate amounts of water throughout the entire fucking day. You will notice so many uh, benefits from that in terms of better sleep, better pumps, faster metabolism. Like the, uh, the most people don't drink nearly enough water and they bitch that something's not working for them. Fucking drink water and sleep. Like those are two things. It has nothing to do with peri workout nutrition per se, but just take that away from this podcast. 
podcast. All right. Intro workout. One thing. Um, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Thing for two. Make sure you're getting your water in. Is our magical number? Oh, a gallon a day. I don't believe in that so much. Sure. Main thing, drink intuitively. Ideally, if you're an active individual, I mean, bro, I don't even know how many times pitch out the ice shaker here. I got yeah. both this one as well as this bad boy chilling on my desk. My new Woo, I really that. gym shaker there, the pink fitness informant here for ice shaker. Dude, I love these things. Yeah. I'll probably fill that thing up at least seven times a day at the office. One, I'm thirsty. Listen to your body. If you're peeing clear, you're probably fine. During training, as a rule of thumb, I typically go through at least two shakers, one of them with my aminos, and I'll fill it up with just plain water mm-hmm. and finish on time I'm done. I sweat a lot, man. Yeah. But that's yeah, you do. Part two, not to underrate. Yeah, you've seen it firsthand, man. That murder of a leg is don't underestimate the power of salt. Mm-hmm. So I know you post actually quite a bit about this. And I've seen it become growing in popularity, and I'm glad for this. You don't have to go out and necessarily eat a salt packet before you train. But the other key part, too, is especially pre-training, don't be afraid to have a little bit of sodium. Sodium is crucial for essential muscle function. It's going to help for uh, regulating blood pressure, blood flow. It's going to help with pumps and performance. So once again, don't douse your meal in salt, yeah. but don't be afraid of a little bit of salt retraining either. That's going to help increase your performance. So that's another thing that you, I'm glad you brought up. Yeah, 100%. So that then brings us to the final window, right? That post-workout window, which, again, is where this whole myth of the anabolic window comes into play. You know, half hour immediately once the weights hit the ground. Uh, start with the timing, Drew. Like, within two hours, like, so we talked about, like, an hour to two hours pre-workout. Your, your workout's typically going to be 45 minutes to an hour and a half, maybe two hours if you're taking Instagram pictures, whatever the fuck you're doing. And then you have post-workout. Um, there may not be a window per se, but what would be a time frame that you deem acceptable for post-workout uh, nutrition? Honestly, I like to, as soon as I'm done training, I like to eat within an hour. Mm-hmm. Normally, well, almost every single time, it's because I'm really fucking hungry. Yeah. Because by the time you know, I've did my pre-training meal, if that's an hour and a half to an hour for my workout, if I'm at the gym for a minimum of an hour to an hour and a half, and then if I have, like say right now, contest or cardio, I'm there for two hours, it's been four hours since I've eaten. I'm hungry. So in that case, the sooner you can get your meal in, the better. If the sooner you get those nutrients in your body, you're good to go, once again. I mean, I wouldn't wait longer than an hour if you're, if you're ideal. Once again, you're not going to magically lose all of your gains if you don't get to eat within an hour time window. It may not be as ideal because, you know, once again, your body's starving for nutrients. That's the ideal time to feed it. It's also insulin sensitivity is the highest. Your body's going to, of course, taper off a bit. Some of the course data has been, I don't remember the study I saw, you are going to have um, an amplification and growth hormone release post-training, especially weight training or HIIT training. So you can take advantage of that. Once again, how much of a difference that makes in terms of what your goal is, eh, it's, it's whatever there's different factors there too if like i'm regretting even mentioning this now you know if you're using peptides or gh you know different timings on that but we're not worried about that for now but to answer the question simply i'd like to ha- have your meal typically within an hour or another good protocol too like um one of my preferred ones especially um for maximizing quote unquote uh, to my pre-training meal do i like to do at least eaas or bcas during my workout Following the workout, I'm a big fan of, hey, you know, have your shake post-training, get a nice source of protein in there, and then have a whole field meal about an hour to an hour and a half later. That's sure. typically how I like to do things. So to Drew's point, yeah, I mean, everybody's like, you got to have a protein shake right after the workout. It's not a bad thing. No, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's not, but we're also saying, like, it's not also necessary either. If you want to eat a whole food meal afterwards, you definitely can. Um, but another thing I think post-workout, too, is, like, we go back to the mi- macronutrient of carbohydrates. Like, you... It, it, Eating carbs post-workout 
um, is super important as well, like intra or pre-intra and post. This is that window that Drew was talking about to start the show. It's like this is where your, your vast majority of your carbs should be consumed because that's when your body could really use them the most. So if you are one of those people who are on, say, 100, 120 grams of carbs and you're scared to do 25, 30 grams of carbs intra-workout in a putter because you want to eat them, you need to weigh kind of like what's important and what you're trying to do. Like I'm not saying you have to have carbs intra-workout. But it's nice. It's nice to have them for sure. It's nice to have them pre, and it's great to have them post-workout. And in terms of carb source, like my stance on it is consistent. I don't change the carb source based on pre, intra, post. It's going to be um, cyclodextrix for me. Um, carb 10, I think, is great, by the way. I mean, you mentioned that earlier as well. Um, it's cool from, from compound solutions. Um, but I think you still need an adequate amount of carbs post-workout, too, which then, in your case, Drew, would come like an hour or two afterwards, which you're probably having, again, jasmine rice, sweet potato, some of those carbohydrates, which are, I mean, are, are ultimately ideal, ideal. Um, so within that window, you know, you, you pretty much have a, a meal, say, say you go an hour and a half before workout, you work out for 45 minutes, and then you do another hour and a half. You have essentially basically a four-hour window there, um, pre, intra, post, in which you're consuming a lot of calories. You could, um, but that's really when your body needs them and could use them the most. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is important. And a lot of people will talk about, you know, they're gonna, we're going to get questions from the street. Like, okay, well, then what about the rest of the day? What about meal timing the rest of the day? And we'll tackle that maybe on some other episode. But it's, it is super important to understand this. Now, the other question then, Drew, is we'll tackle this to kind of wrap up the show is what if you're having like an active rest day? So an active rest day, for those out there listening, you're basically just doing cardio, all right? You're doing like a half hour of cardio. Uh, do you change how you approach a cardio only or an active rest day when it comes to your nutrition. Cardio, is that Spanish? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out, honestly. Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, uh, I don't know, German, Spanish, something like that. <laughs> Quite frankly, I mean, if I'm just doing cardio that day, not to underplay it, I mean, there's different intensities. If you're doing like HIIT training, yeah. like high intensity, like even though that's probably not an active rest day, then uh, no, but. For me, if I'm just doing a cardio day, which actually never fucking happens, either A, I do a complete rest day and I'm just like actively doing something fun. In that case, I just eliminate the pre and post training. I don't worry so much about it. I'll space it out. But um, you know, the best way to answer this is for, for rest days there. In that case, I'll typically like to consume my carbohydrates a little earlier in the day, taper them off as I go through the day. And as promised, I guess one thing I should say here is when it comes to structuring meals, as a quick cheat sheet, when you structure meals, protein with carbohydrates or protein with, well, protein with fats and some greens. That's typically a good way to go about that. So the farther you go away from your window, say in the morning, if you're not training till nighttime, and this is how the structure of meal plans, if that focus is per workout nutrition, in the morning, say in the meal number one, like say um, egg whites, whole eggs, caramel, grass-fed butter, and maybe some berries and spinach, okay? Meal number two, depending how many carbohydrates you have. That could be like, say, some top sirloin steak, avocado, um, asparagus is fantastic meal combination there if you have fats, or if you have higher carbs, maybe lower the fats a bit and insert like say um, a sweet potato at 100 grams. Meal number three, once you're getting close to workout, kind of build those in, say that's I'm training midday or if I want a meal there, chicken, jasmine rice, a green veggie, of course, level it out and a little bit of fat to keep blood sugar stable. Pre-training meal rolls around, okay, in that case, say I'm doing a 99% ground turkey, 80 grams of carbs from jasmine rice, a little, little bit of fat to keep everything level. Your intra-workout nutrition, EAA, cyclodextrin, post-training, have your shake. Hour later, boom, whole field meal. Say in that case, whatever you want to be, top round steak with jasmine rice or sweet potato, quinoa, whatever the fuck you want to do uh, in that case. And your last one before bed, in that case, either A, if you have the carbs left, say like a slow burning carb, like um, 
sweet potato is good, or in that case, I like doing things like wild-caught salmon with Caragol grass-fed butter. I'm a big fan of Caragol grass-fed butter. Yeah, I was going to say, we should be sponsored by this fucking brand at some point. Yeah, It's a great butter. It's great. Yes, people are shocked to say butter, but dude, it's it's grass-fed to get high, nice CLA content, omega-3s. It tastes rock star. It's a good fat source. Alternatively, you could use something like G, coconut oil, whatever you want. Or Mm. even you could use nuts instead of that. But a person, I like it to mix it with my veggies or on my rice. It's fine. And last meal for bed, greens, a nice, um, you know, wild caught fish and so forth. Yeah. So that's kind of an example of how I structure my meals personally, but you're not, ideally is you want to have a protein fats and, um, kind of lower in the carbs or protein carbs and lower fats. That's kind of a good cheat sheet on how to structure that. Yeah. At the end of the day for me, um, that's a great point. And I try to do that as well. Cause I also work out in the morning, but I mean, I look at my macronutrients and if I'm, if I'm not hitting my targets and it's nine o'clock at night, I'm not going to purposely not eat carbs I mean, yeah. I still want to hit my targets. Like, so I'll eat the fucking things. One thing to look at, if you guys hire a nutrition coach, whether it's Drew or anybody else is if they don't ask you what time of day you work out, um, you should question them because it's very important when they structure your meal plan for you that they are putting in order and went around your workout window, which is Perry Workout Nutrition, which we just spent the entire fucking episode talking about. Good coaches like Drew, like my guy, whoever, will we'll put the carbs around your workout. We'll um, talk about that pre, intra, and post-workout nutrition literally in the meal plan. But if you don't get that, if you don't get that, then the person just doesn't give a fuck. Or, or I don't know, maybe, maybe they think they have a different theory on it or they don't believe in peri-workout nutrition. I don't know, but that's, that's my uh, advice when it comes to finding a nutritional coach. Because I know, Drew, you, that's one of the questions you ask everybody that you write plans for. Exactly. What time do you train? Because, oh, there are reasons, too. I'm sure you're wondering, oh, well, why proteins and fats or protein and carbs? There's other times of the day if you're doing protein and fats, you're keeping the insulin response lower. You're elevating insulin when it's ideal, taking advantage of the harnessing the power of it. Rather than carbs with every meal, you're having all these bumps in insulin throughout the day. That's the main rationale behind that. You harness the power of insulin when you need it the most, take advantage of the growth properties and body composition effects. And if you die after listening to this podcast when it comes to insulin, again, that's not on us. That is not on us. If you guys like the podcast, hit the subscribe button. Write us a review. It helps out the algorithm over at iTunes or Spotify or even on YouTube. We are on Facebook, the Iron Jungle Podcast. You can follow Drew online at Vanilla Grill. Drew on the Instagram. He uh, posts a lot of good educational content. He's a pretty boy video, video guy now. Like, he's a superstar in South Florida. South Florida's superstar. Um, the only wild gorilla ever released from, from captivation. And, and they let you stay out in the, in the wild, which I'm shocked. So uh, until next time, everybody, behave yourself and hang loose.